Welcome to The Hive. I'm Beth, the Honeybee Health Coach, bringing you information and education on chronic diseases in a way everyone can understand. Let's get to it. Hello, and welcome back to the Honeybee Health Coach. This is episode five, and I am going to talk to you today about some very important documents that I feel that everyone needs to consider or at least be aware of and some heartbreaking stories as to why I feel this needs a whole lot more attention. So today we're going to talk about HIPAA and some advanced directives. Now, as a nurse, obviously I am not an attorney. Laws vary from state to state. So please consult your own attorney and care team for the appropriate options for yourself and your loved ones. But I have found recently that these documents are not getting the attention that they need. I have come across a number of individuals and couples who, as the aging process takes its toll, may no longer be the best decision makers. However, if the HIPAA form is not in place, we can't legally speak with the spouse because they are not considered incompetent at that point. And it creates a barrier to care. It creates a frustration and sometimes an increase in mistrust. While staff attempt to hold up the laws about privacy and family and loved ones try to also do what's in the best interest of their loved ones. HIPAA um, is an abbreviation for the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act from 1996. It is a federal law that required the creation of national standards to protect sensitive patient health information. Um, it stops it from being disclosed to individuals without the patient's consent or knowledge. And this is where there gets to be that barrier. Depending on whether it's just the aging process and perhaps memory isn't the same as what it was. Perhaps there's a condition such as headed down the dementia Alzheimer's road. Perhaps there was a incident such as a stroke that led to some impaired functionality. If that patient is still considered competent and able to make decisions for themselves, unless they authorize someone else to speak on their behalf, legally, we cannot talk with somebody. So these instances where a spouse calls in going, Hey, I need 
to know what medication my husband is on because he hasn't gotten a refill lately and I need to call the pharmacy and ask. If that wife is not on the HIPAA form and that patient is of sound mind and capacity, that wife should not get the information regardless of the marital status. There are practices, there are offices that do that um, and just kind of Sometimes it's because of familiarity. Maybe she always comes to the appointments with him and therefore it's potentially implied consent. However, unless there is a legal signed document behind it, it does throw some barriers in the pathway. For instances of remote care, which all of my patients have been remote for the last three plus years, um, prior to COVID even, that creates a difficult talking point for remote care. Um, and that could be a telehealth appointment. That could be um, somebody through, you know, your insurance or something that does a virtual consult. That creates a hurdle because if there's not a documented signature and state who this person is and potentially their relationship to you, it doesn't allow for us to speak with them. And I've had more than one upset spouse or upset family member because maybe the daughter has started taking over medical decisions. However, there's no form at the office to tell me that. And unless the physician is going to say, yes, the advanced directives or power of attorney is in effect, it does not go in effect until that patient is no longer capable of making their own decisions. It states that in the legal paperwork that was signed. So knowing what paperwork has been signed and what paperwork is out there is so important. It really is imperative that you know whether or not you are on your family member's HIPAA or who is. Maybe it's not you. Maybe it's a sibling. Maybe it's a neighbor because they're the quickest to respond to something. But that's something that should be known. Um, also with the case of children, as children get older and they become legal entities for the medical system, for the legal system, the parent no longer has the rights to their medical information, even if they're on their insurance. That is something that when the child reaches 17 or 18, depending on the state you're in, that child would need to sign a HIPAA form in order for the parent to be able to get any information. If the child is in an accident while at college, the parent needs to be on that HIPAA form so that the parent can be brought in for more than just financial reasons. So that's definitely something to discuss. If there's a disability when that child is turning 18, you're definitely need to go through the court system and so forth. And certainly speak with your own attorney on the proper process for all of that. But that's something that not everybody thinks about when their mildly autistic child turns 18. So that is definitely something to keep on the forefront and 
talk to other people, talk about their experiences, whether that needs to be a custody of the spouse, a custody of a parent, legal custody, um, perhaps, you know, there's, there's a number of avenues that you can take, but you have to know that they exist and you have to ask those questions. You also need to read the forms at the physician's offices. One of the offices that I worked with has a yearly expiration date on their form. It states on there that the form is only valid for one year following the date of signature. That means that form needs to be signed every single year. So if you're late for your annual, your HIPAA forms expired. If you are, if some, you know, there's been a lot that has happened. If you don't make that 12 month appointment and something happens, that HIPAA is expired. So you really need to be proactive. Not all offices, unfortunately, are as good about offering or encouraging the signature, the form being filled out, or an update to that form. And that's really a pet peeve of mine. So that's what's gotten me here is because I've encountered so many couples recently who one spouse is not as historically accurate as they used to be, but I can't speak to the other party because there's no HIPAA form and nobody has deemed them unable to make their own decisions. So it's really an important discussion to have. It's not a whole lot of fun to be talking about at the Thanksgiving table or whatever your, your big event is, but it is an important discussion to have to know who is that contact point for each person. Who is able to get the information when information is needed? So that's the HIPAA. You need to sign the HIPAA, state who is on it. Even if you say no one, please sign it so they know your intentions. And then the other thing to touch upon is an advanced directive. Um, it's a pretty, advanced directive is a pretty broad umbrella term that discusses any legal document that addresses your wishes for future medical care. Um, that is what doctors refer to if you're incapacitated, unable to communicate, perhaps there was an accident, you had a stroke, um, this would be down the road with dementia and you are no longer able to make those decisions. Uh, perhaps something came up while you were under anesthesia or an illness that left you too sick to communicate. This is when these things come into effect. And this is where there's that barrier between the HIPAA and your advanced directives, because one of these situations has to be determined before advanced directives can take place. So even if a daughter calls in going, hey, I'm my dad's power of attorney, I want to know X, Y, Z. That's not something that can be given out if the dad is of sound mind and the HIPAA form has not been signed. So that's certainly something to look into and think about. You can customize the advanced directives to reflect any religious, philosophical beliefs, and anything that might impact the healthcare you want to receive. 
And it's definitely a good idea to make these known so your healthcare providers can respect them. Give a copy to everybody you see. Give a copy to your primary, make sure that that interfaces with the hospital that you could be brought to, give a copy to your specialist, your cardiologist, um, you know, orthopedic, anything like that. That's something that needs to be put in your file every place. So no matter who is treating you, if something happens in the lobby of that office, they can pass that information on to paramedics or what have you. Um, so that's definitely something to work on and go through the notarization process and all the signatures that are needed for that. Um, sometimes advanced directives go by different names depending on what state you live in. They might be called healthcare directives, they might be advanced care directives, it might be considered a healthcare surrogate, healthcare proxy. Um, so certainly, this is where a good attorney can help you through this process of figuring out the correct forms and the correct terminology for your state. I would also encourage you that once you have these filled out, that you give any loved ones that are named on these forms a copy and whether they keep it in their glove box, at home, wherever, it needs to be readily accessible so that they can go into the hospital and go, here's the power of attorney paperwork. I am the power of attorney. What do I need to do? Um, and make sure that there's no delays in that. Anytime that there is an updated copy, make sure that the updated copy gets distributed out to everyone. If somebody is removed off of that healthcare power of attorney, the hospital is not going to know unless they have the updated copy. That is imperative that that gets redistributed when that time comes, if that time comes. Um, and again, there are several types of advanced directives, and they often overlap as to what's covered and when they go in effect. But that's definitely something to discuss. A living will is something that also gets passed around. Um, it's a type of advanced directive where you can specify medical treatments, procedures, or things you don't want to receive. Again, this is for times when you're incapacitated and can't speak for yourself. And then the doctors have a framework to go on. Um, as with the advanced directives, these go by different names as well. Different states require different things to be included in those paperworks. So definitely look into that and check to see what your state encourages, what your state calls the beneficiaries or designators for these directives. And then you can let the individuals and the medical entities know of your wishes and who is able to assist you. So as I briefly brought up, um, nobody ever intends to get sick or intends to get injured, have an accident, but unexpected things happen. And when you are not able to communicate effectively, you definitely want to be prepared. Um, advanced directives are essential tool. It can help with eliminating some of the burden on 
the individuals making decisions. It can help reduce friction between siblings and the decision makers and potentially the rest of the family. Your loved ones have a clearer understanding of what you intended to occur and how you intended to work through some of these situations, what your wishes are. It's again, not a fun conversation, but these are conversations that need to happen. Difficult decisions tear families apart and having these all out in writing, having signatures, having notarizations is going to help the whole process. Start with that HIPAA form though. Please, if you intend for somebody to share in your medical care or assist with anything, whether it's medication management and filling a pillbox or, you know, helping out with whatever, if somebody else is ever going to be able to call on your behalf, they need to be on that HIPAA form. Please, please, please make it easier on us. Um, so that's all I have for right now on this topic. I hope that this information was valuable to you and you have a few extra tools to ask the appropriate questions. If you've appreciated the information that I've shared today, if you would take a moment to review the podcast and help others that may be interested in listening. Also, if you know of someone in your life that may be approaching a similar issue as I've discussed today with a family member, um, perhaps they're recognizing things in themselves, please do a favor and share the podcast or at least share your notes. Give them something to ask their physician and their care team about because it is imperative that if they want their wishes to be followed, they need to have someone in their medical team, their, you know, somebody who's got their back so that those things can be followed through on. Take care. Thanks for listening to another episode. If you haven't already, be sure to find me on Facebook and Instagram at The Honeybee Health Coach. And don't forget to join our community on Facebook for free pre-diabetes health tips and support. See you next time.